All right, welcome to North Shore. Huh? I love that video and I appreciate the team that puts it together just to share uh, our heart and, and, and who we are. You know, the teens are gone, but uh, just, you know, comment. Um, many of you know that uh, Sandy and I have a granddaughter that um, is special needs. And just to see uh, the value placed on them and uh, just and, and celebrating the full scope of God's creation. I, I just love it. It moves my heart. So I'm very, very proud of them. Love that. I'm lead pastor Scott Harris and welcome to North Shore, uh, which is a true greeting, but also it's the uh, title of our series. And it came from this. We've just been watching God do incredible things the last you know, year and a half. I was just noticing, I would call it kind of a, a new work, a new season at North Shore. You know, many of you are brand new. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, many of you have watched uh, many people be baptized, uh, child dedication, and just uh, the, the energy of, of movement of God here. You know, so we're calling that the next season for North Shore. Been an amazing 30-year run uh, for this church, 25 years for the academy that's here. Uh, God has been good. He's faithful. But you see a, a new season, season begin to blossom. And as we thought about that, we said, well, let's just step in and truly welcome people to the next season, to North Shore. And so this series is really um, basically our membership class. You may have seen it advertised as joining our family. And so we're going to walk through this. Uh, and at the end of it, and we'll give more details later, we're going to talk about the opportunity to become members. If you're not, if you're a member, to celebrate that. Uh, but I hope for everybody it is encouraging, uh, uplifting, um, but also inspiring to say, let's go where God has us to go. So we started last week. Um, with a, a called Welcome to the Family or Welcome to North Shore. We are family. And we just talked about the truth that we are family, but we're a family uh, that is founded on Jesus, that this is Jesus's church, not man's. Um, and our eyes are on him. And what that family looks like, it has deep commitment. Damien shared with us there, and I love the analogy that Jesus was all in, and we are to be all in. And he used a poker analogy of sliding all the chips and say, I'm all in, is the commitment level we are to have to Jesus, to one another, to the family. But also, and Pat mentioned that in that we are unique. Each of us have a unique role. We have gifts. And he did this um, little um, illustration that you guys uh, heard about. If you weren't here at nine o'clock, it was an illustration. He uh, gave Damien and I um, gifts, gift certificates. Mine was for $1,500 for tires. Um, and he didn't tell us that those were uh, not real. So we received this, we're looking at each other like, whoa. And, and his point was that in order to really receive the grace of God through gifts, you have to use them, right? Um, he told us after they weren't real. So the 11 o'clock when you guys are here, you saw, you probably noticed us a little down because we went through this high like, yeah. Uh, but anyways, a great illustration about uh, us. Each of us have gifts in this family. And this family cannot fulfill the mission that God has fully unless every family member uses what God has given him, the gift, him or her, right? So uh, 
It is this invitation. Use your gift in this family. Uh, slide our chips in uh, because then we are going to be the most effective to do what God has us to do. All right? Uh, so we're going to talk about vision today. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, we'll get a Bible to you. Um, we're going to be all over. This is a, a topical message. So uh, I'm going to start in Proverbs 29. So you can turn there. And if you can keep up, great. Uh, if you uh, don't have a Bible, don't own one, uh, this Bible uh, is a gift. Take it. I just ask that you'd read it, right? Uh, so let me pray for us. Father, we love you. I just pray that you would speak um, to us um, through me. And I pray that you would transform and change us in the way that you see fit. So we offer our minds and our hearts to you now. Uh, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so as we look at vision, uh, vision is critical. As I said, Proverbs 29, 18. It says this, uh, where there is no uh, spiritual vision, uh, prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who follows the law. So what scripture is saying that uh, vision is critical, it's important, right? Or the people uh, basically go off the rails, if you would, go all over, are not effective, but blessed, happy, some of your translations say there, uh, are those that follow what God says. You know, in vision, it gives us uh, this togetherness. It focuses our attention on one goal. Right? So we're all going the same direction. It also creates uh, this greater work, this synergy of us working together in that equation for synergy, one plus one equals greater than two. We get more done together. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, you know, God says it, two are better than one. We are called together and vision calls us together, but not any vision, right? You know, I mean, every store, every business has a vision. We don't want some cheeky, clever vision. We want a vision that is from God, about God, right? So I want to remind you, if you uh, have heard the story, but if you haven't, to tell you the story of how we got our vision here at North Shore. I believe this, it's a word directly from God for us. Um, when he gave it to us, was two years before I was named the lead pastor here. I was looking at some of my files, it was two years. And at that point in time, I believe I was either a, a community pastor um, or maybe I just became a kind of co-executive pastor, somewhere in there. Um, we had a uh, senior pastor here who spoke a few weeks ago. Um, and basically later announced that he would be retiring and moving on. But at that point in time, um, you know, we didn't know that there's just like any older person, they were t he talked about retirement, but had no idea of timing or anything like that. Anyhow, um, one night I'm laying in bed and I remember, because I still uh, remember seeing the clock, 2.13 a.m. Uh, I go through this process. Um, I get woke up and I can just tell when God is speaking to me, these words are in my mind and, and my heart is just, you know, kind of on fire. You ever, like, you know, just, I feel it and I can just kind of tell God's got all these words in my head, my mind. And I'm like, okay, okay, you know, uh, Okay, God, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that tomorrow, okay? I'm gonna stay sleeping right now. So I tried that, and I think it was like three or four times he just kept stirring me. And finally, in a, in a holy frustration, I'll call it, <laughs> um, I said, okay, okay. Um, 
uh, I need to get some sleep. And uh, it was dark, you know, Sandy was sleeping. So I kind of slide out of bed and I, through the dark, I remember get to our little family room, pitch black, I still remember it. I sit down, I open my computer up, you know, get blinded, like, okay, okay. Um, open up and I just typed the words that were in my mind and my heart, just, right? Um, didn't really even pay attention to them, be honest with you. I just typed. Um, well, this is how I type, if you know. Okay. Um, <laughs> And I, and, I, and I closed it, but I went back to bed and slept like a baby. Um, and uh, so two years later, after that, um, I'm named the lead pastor. And that's a, a story in itself, I'll tell you some other point in time. But when I was named the lead pastor, of course, you're supposed to have this great vision, right? So we set up this elder meeting. We're going to have a retreat and talk about, you know, where we're going and, and the vision. So, okay, yes, vision, got it. That's what all great leaders do. They have vision. Um, and so I sat down, opened my computer up, and I typed a uh, new vision for North Shore. And I sat there. Okay, okay, ready? New vision for North Shore. I got this cool title. You know, it looked good, blank or document. All right, okay, ready? New vision for North Shore. Nothing. And so I said, and I was like, okay, I, got, I need caffeine or something. I just couldn't get anything going, if you would. You know, ever have writer's block? And so, you know, so it felt like, like, come on, I know stuff, you know. Um, I just couldn't decide, okay, I'll come back to it later. So I went to save the document because I had this cool title thing. Um, and it said, a file already exists with this name. So what's that? Because I totally forgot about that evening. You, you're probably thinking, oh, I know what it is. You're right. Um, I didn't even remember so I said, well, what's that? I open it up, and it's the words I typed down that night at 2.13 in the morning. I looked at this, and I just felt God's, like, that's the vision. I said, whoa. So I went to the elders, you know, and said, I need to test the spirit on this. So at that retreat, we talked through that. We prayed through it and just came to a place, shared it with some staff, and the Lord just spoke to all of us and said, this is it. So what the Lord spoke to me that night was this, it was his word, right? Uh, we don't want some, again, clever vision. We want God's word. I believe God spoke to us that night, to us collectively and over the time as we processed it. And it's something to guide us, right? So that we can be blessed being be on mission with Jesus. And our vision here at North Shore is to see our communities changed through hope in Jesus, one person at a time. To see our communities changed through hope in Jesus, one person at a time. So as we look at that vision, I just want to break it down today a little bit. And things I want us to see and what I want to hopefully accomplish is that this is uh, God's word and that this is the Jesus model. Um, hopefully if you're around me enough, you know this, I'm not interested in man's plan. I'm getting too old. To, I've watched that, you know, and you guys don't want my plan. We collectively want Jesus's plan, okay? So let's look at this together. You know, our vision to see our communities change through hope and Jesus one person at a time. The very first thing I want to look at is our people, who we called to, you know, our communities. Well, let's ask the question, who is Jesus's community? Because... John 17, 18, in his high priestly prayer, Jesus said, as he's praying to the Father about us, as you sent me, Father, so I send them. So we were sent like Jesus. So who were Jesus's community? What was his community? We see this. 
right? Just going through uh, the New Testament and the Gospels is when um, Jesus arrived, we see him uh, go for large crowds, huge crowds, Sermon on the Mount, right? How many people were there? Tens of thousands, most likely, we don't know. Feeding the 5,000, right, of men. So probably um, 15,000 people there, Jesus engaged in the feeding of the 4,000. So we, he came to large communities, okay? So his communities were large communities. But also we see him in smaller communities, right? He sent the 72 out, right, the disciples, and then debriefed with them. So he's very engaged with them. His 12 apostles or disciples, right? And three of those, Peter, James, and John, he poured in even deeper. So we see that his community were these small groups of people too, okay? But then we see him minister to people one-on-one. Think of Nicodemus, right? Poured into him. Peter, man, so much of the Gospels are Jesus and Peter is this one-on conversation, so his community were these one people too. So what was his community? Where did he belong? Where was he called into? You know the answer. His community was wherever he was. Wherever he was, he was on mission. And the true, that's true of us. Wherever you are, large crowds, medium-sized crowds, one-on-one relationships, that is your community. That is where God is taking you. And we are supposed to live out the vision that he gives us. So think about your communities, your city, the school you go to, your kids go to, right? Where you work, your family, your friends, those people that you are in tight one-on-one relationships with. All of them are your community. So just think about it. Who is your community? Because here's this, ready? Those names, those people, those organizations, that's your mission field. That's where God sent you. You're there. Wherever Jesus was, he was on mission. Wherever you are, you're on mission. So our people, our communities, wherever you're at, right? So to see our communities change. So this is our purpose. Our purpose. What was Jesus' purpose? I want to read a couple of scriptures to you. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Later, Paul wrote in Ephesians... Ephesians 4, verses 20 through 24. I'm just going to read, um, starting at verse 22. We're called to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So what we see this is Jesus's purpose is to change us, is to come and where he encounters people and places and communities is to transform and change them into his likeness. 
The same is true for our calling. Wherever we are called, we are called through God, and I'll talk about that in a second, to transform and change it. So when you think about this, as you look around the, the world around you, where do you see change needed? Is it our country, the government? No, amen. Come on, stay cool. <laughs> right? Is it work? Are they so full of garbage talking and don't know Jesus? Is it them? Is it your family? Right? Is it your friend group? Where do you see change needed? Because what Jesus does when he brings change, he takes people from death, it says in Scripture, uh, to life. And takes them to the John 10, 10 promise of abundant life. And he wants you to come in and have that same purpose. For us as a church, we're not interested in just staying the same. That's why every Sunday when I pray over the message sign, I pray that you'll change. Oh, it might just be slightly. But as you encounter God's powerful word and him through worship, fellowship, communion, and things that we do here, uh, that you change to be more like Christ. You know, I think this should be a very active, powerful moment for all of us. Me as well, right? Even as a speaker, I want to learn as the Holy Spirit speaks to me and through me. I want to be a learner so that I can be changed into the likeness of Jesus and have all that he created me to have and be. Same is true of you. Same is true of every community that you're in. So let me ask you a question, right? Who is your community? Where do you see change needed? That's your mission field. That's your mission field. That's what you're called. So we want to see our communities change, but how do we do that? And this is, I mean, it's all important. Um, what is our power, right? We say this, our power is our hope through Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. Again, not in any clever plan, slick programming, none of that. Not interested at all. Interested in me and you experiencing and seeing the one who can change things. This is what Jesus says about himself in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Who can change things? Jesus. And only Jesus because when he says, I am the way, they understood what these words meant. The way is actually someone's life and how they live. In fact, in the first century, they called Christians, before they called them Christians, followers of the way. And they called them that because of this. Their lives were different. There's something different about them. They were transforming and being changed. So they're following this way, and that described a lifestyle. So if someone is going to change and be transformed, there's only one, Jesus. 
that can change us at the heart level, the soul level, the essence of who we are, him. Says he is the truth, right? So what are we going to change into? What do we going to be like? Yes, Jesus, what, what wisdom do we need? It comes from one place. Jesus, as John 1 says this, he is a logos, right? The word, which means the reasoning for all things. He is the foundation. He is the why. It all starts with Jesus. He's the truth. It's his words that we can trust. Oh, we all have a great plan, don't we? Oh, me too. But boy, we want God's plan, right? We want God's plan to get God's results of transformation and change. He says, I am the life, Jesus says. And that is specifically about salvation. He is the rescue. And it's talking about eternal life. Only Jesus provides us eternal life through his death on the cross and his resurrection so that we can walk in newness of life, be transformed now and forever. Only him. Our hope is only in Jesus. And the good thing about this hope in Jesus, it's a unique hope in this way. When we say hope, we usually speak of longing, what we want to happen, what we, quote, hope to happen. But the Jesus hope is a confident hope. It's something that's happened historically. We can look back. We understand it spiritually. It's happened. There's a promise with it. Um, you can put a pin in it. It's done. It's a confident hope. It exists, right? It's not just an emotional longing. It's a truth, right? He can change this world. He can change you. He can change me. He can change our friends, our family, our situation. He can do it. And only he can do it. I love what Paul says uh, about this hope in Jesus. This hope in Jesus is a sufficient hope. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 uh, is talking about what Jesus said to him. And Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. You don't need any more. You want an answer for your broken family? Guess what? It's Jesus. Oh, no, no, but, 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 no, no, it's Jesus. Yes, there's a whole journey about that walk with Jesus but it's Jesus. It has to start there. What is the hope for this church to fulfill the vision it has? Jesus. And that is good enough. Again, I say this and I hope you're with me. We're not interested in any sort of worldly, clever plan. We stand on, on the rock, on Jesus and Jesus only. And I believe this because that has worked, will work. And it's the only name that can save and it's the only hope for humanity. So this church has to be about that. His grace is sufficient, right? So we have to step in and we have to people that live out and point to Jesus, right? And trust him and then trust his work and his timing in that because this, our power is in the hope through Jesus. And now our pace. What's our pace here? Our pace is this. Uh, is, how do we go about it? What's the rhythm of all this? All right. And we look at Jesus. What was Jesus' pace? You know, he, he came to earth, right, to man. So we understand, first of all, it is relational. Could God have done this? Play with me here a little bit, okay? Could God have snapped his finger and salvation 
happened, even after the fall? Could God have just spoke and it was possible? You believe that? Yep, I'm gonna, let's, let's just go with this. I'm gonna, assuming you're saying yes, okay? Um, but he didn't. He did something that we see in Genesis 1 as well. We see him be relational, right? He sent his son, John 3, 16, right? Matthew 1, chapter, or verse 23, says this, is that his name shall be called Emmanuel. What? God with us. He came to us. And we get to see as he comes, what does he do in that? What is his pace? It's relational, but it is slow relationship, deep relationship. I, I take you to John chapter one, okay? You don't have to turn there, you can if you want. Um, and in John chapter one, toward the end of the chapter, what we have here is really the first encounter with Jesus and the disciples. John the Baptist, remember, was preparing the way, um, sees him one day, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Okay, and they're like, whoa, because, you know, the disciples, you know, some of them at that point are following uh, John, you know, they're disciples of John. The next day, Jesus approaches again, John the Baptist, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so Andrew uh, and another disciple start following him and watching him. And they ask him a question. What are you doing? Where are you staying? Right? And then he says this in John 1, uh, verse 39. He looks at him and says, come and see. And he says, they went with him. They stayed with him. Meaning he did his mission at the pace of deep relationship, not passive. Deep connection. That word stay is a Greek word. Uh, menos. And we find it in some different translations that you will recognize. Abide, right? John 15. That deep and grafted connection, right? We talk about abiding in Christ. What is that? It's the same Greek word. He stayed with them. He abided with them. Uh, he connected at a deep, deep level with them. It's translated remain. He did time with them. And we see him live this out. Now think of the woman at the well. Just all that time of talking, pouring in. She left, she came back. I mean, he did life with her, poured into her. Meeting her spiritual needs so deep um, that it moved her heart when she understood she really knew her. Right? Went and told her village and they all got saved. You know, we see it in Mary and Martha. How many times we see Jesus is going deep, spiritual journey, connecting with Mary and Martha. It's powerful. It's beautiful. It's at the pace of relationship. Right? So Jesus did his ministry one person at a time to see the communities he was pulled into or uh, transformed and changed. The Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, right? Could just a bright light hit him and, you know, yep, but what happened? Jesus spoke to him, right? 
and talked to him, knew exactly what he'd been doing and everything, and then called him higher, called him on mission, which most of the New Testament is written by Paul. Right? And that very same person, Paul, if you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, uh, Paul followed the example of Jesus in his, his ministry and mission. He says, not only did we share the gospel, the truth, and this information with you, but we shared our very life. This life on life, this heart on heart ministry. We poured ourselves into you. Right? Paul did his ministry at the pace of relationship like Jesus. Here's what happens when we do that and we answer that call to do it like Jesus, one person at a time. What happens is you build deep relationships, right? And from the deep relationship, you go to that powerful element called trust. You build trust from somebody. And when somebody's thinking about faith and life and family and brokenness and hurt, and they are gonna talk to people who they what? Trust, that they trust because that trust allows them to enter that place called vulnerability where you take the deepest recesses of life and the fears, the pain, the hurt, where faith is processed uh, and you share it with that other person that you trust that has taken time to build relationship with you. And then there you take the powerful truth of God his words, his provision, and you pour it into that where he is working in their lives and you'll see growth like you've never seen before. You'll see God do a great, powerful work. So that's why we see what Jesus does one person at a time and he calls us at the pace of relationship. One person at a time because every story matters to Jesus. Every person does. And it does not matter how big this church gets. It will always be about Jesus and one person. That's why we need the entire family, right? So we can press in to one person and love them deeply and not just conduct church, right? That's our vision, to see our communities change through hope in Jesus, one person at a time. Now I shared with some of you on video, if you watched it, that um, God is calling us to, let's put this vision into action further. Again, I stand on the shoulders of 30 years. This church has been amazing, done great things. So it's not like all of a sudden let's do something. No, we've been doing something, right? But he's calling us into a new season. And he's calling you into it, he's calling me into it to see this vision lived out. And here's just some new things I want to share with you and invite you to pray about it. First is this, right? Is, you know, celebrate recovery, a recovery ministry here at church, right? Um, you know, recovery is such a powerful, transforming, changing ministry to break the bondage of addiction and all uh, the collateral damage that does to people. So we're stepping into that, helping families and people with that. There's called a men's groups called 33 men's groups. And these are men's Bible studies to help men learn about biblical manhood, right? We have a identity crisis in our culture, right? Men need to learn to stand up and be who God's designed them to be. So this is gonna be a time of encouragement and challenging, and it's gonna help change and transform uh, by the power of Jesus, our homes. 
you know, we are uh, really uh, love seeing um, our young families. A lot of the people coming are younger and they have families. And I really I love seeing last year it started some young moms got together and started a young moms group. And that is just growing like crazy. Some of you are here because of that. So proud of them. But what we want to do is we want to create space that they're invited to. Because if you don't remember being that um, seasons of life, it's one of the hardest times to go to church. A lot of families just stop. It's too complicated. Right? But we're going to take what is our prayer room back there, and we're going to use it on Sunday mornings, and we're going to remodel it so it's a place for families to go and young moms and dads to be with their kids. We'll still pray in there. We've got prayer all happening all over, so it's not canceling prayer, just so you know. Um, but it's investing in this next generation, right? Um, we also are looking at remodeling this worship center here, our lobby, and our coffee shop there. It's been years, um, and we won't turn the lights on. Um, you know, it needs a, a little cleaning if you've uh, never been here with the lights on. Um, uh, but it's time. It's been like 15, 20 years. Um, and there's new technology and stuff that when people come here, they can um, identify and recognize the world that they are around into this place that we're bringing the gospel to. So it's more inviting. We can do a, a greater work, you know, a coffee shop, right? Seattle is known for what? Coffee, right? Let's bring people to a place they recognize, understand, and do Jesus' work for them in a lobby that's fresh and ready for people. Super excited about that. You know, uh, another thing, um, if you don't know this, we have an academy here. Um, and we have an early learning center. Um, and they're amazing and have been for 25 years. Um, but because the state of, of our world and the quality education and the Jesus part of that, it is busting at the seams. Literally, for our ELC, we have 68 people on the waiting list just to get in there. So the kids can be in a Jesus uh, safe place right? Um, our academy, every grade level has waiting lists of people. I just read an article this morning from the Seattle Times talking about um, people wanting their kids in, in Christian education. So we just want to meet the needs of our community, right? Uh, and so we are praying, Lord, show us um, a way. You know, right now we're in, we're in talks with the building that's just on the uh, kitty corner. It's kind of looks like a big warehouse. It's up for lease. And, we're, and we need a miracle, right? Um, but we believe this, if the numbers work out, um, not only we can we expand there, um, we can actually generate income for other kingdom work too. I mean, you don't usually get your cake and eat it too, right? There's an opportunity, but we need God to do his thing. So we need to pray before him. That also would allow us in this mindset, right now our church offices. How many of you ever been to the church offices? That's more than I actually thought. Uh, um, they're in the middle of a school, you know, Generally, to come see me, you got and I'm glad, you got to go through all kinds of security to come talk to me, right? <laughs> We're afraid of you. No, um, it's this. Um, it's because it's a school and we need to be safe. But we want to get to a place where our pastors, uh, where the community can just engage us right now. A place where a felon can come and hang out with me and I can share with him about Jesus. Where we can do recovery groups. You can't do that on this site right now. Right? And so say, God, show us, show us. We want to get the gospel to our community. You know, so we're praying about that. Um, 
also, this is, you know, all of it's exciting, is we are this close. It could happen this week, uh, signing a lease for a building um, for our thrift store. Um, some of you remember like, oh, what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter's house um, and this idea of taking the gospel to our communities um, through compassionate care. So the thrift store, uh, what we do is open it up and it's on um, Everett Mallways, this building. And all of us would pour in, we'd donate, we'd volunteer. And all the funds generated from that which uh, we've got an incredible business model from a lot of smart people, thank you, um, will generate significant funds. And our commitment is this, for those funds that will pour back into the community um, will all come in the name of Jesus. We'll never compromise that, right? Um, and I know this, okay? I've worked in some things. Um, you say, well, the city will never receive funds if, if you're distinctly Christian and you're gospel-centered. The answer is yes, they will. They will. Why? Because they want that money. Say, so, okay, you bring Jesus. Come on in, right? And they'll do it, right? I'm not saying they're bad. You know, there's always separation of churches. I've just been there before. You bring something that could help this city, our communities, be better and help the hurt and the broken they're going to say, come on in, right? And we'll be wise and sensitive, but we will never, ever leave the gospel of Jesus out because it's the only hope for humanity is the gospel. So it is just a vehicle of fulfilling this. Um, so it's incredible. So we could sign that lease and, and all these things we're going to be talking about, um, you know, more detail for you. But I, what I want to do this, and I'm going to invite, I'm going to check the time out here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Okay, will you stand with me? And I want this to be our, our, our prayer. We, um, you know, we sang that song. Um, I want you to remember that song, uh, The Same God. Because how are we going to do this? Um, through Jesus, the same God that changed the world is still at work today. And we have to remember that and we have to stand on him and we have to go in bold faith because now is our time. So all those great Bible stories we read, wonderful. And they're important because you should build our faith. But it's our day in a sense, to write those stories now. It's that same God at work, and he works through the faith of his people. When they come to, around a vision that is Jesus-centered, what happens is in that group, he uses to change the world, and that is our heart at North Shore. All right? That's our calling, to see our communities change through hope in Jesus, one person at a time. And I want to invite you with me to let's go bold and big in Jesus and let watch him do what he can through us and bring the hope of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you and you're good. I pray that you be with our church, uh, that we would have our eyes so fixed on Jesus that the worries of the world, the we can't, we shouldn't, all those things would disappear. We'd say we can in faith lead us, Holy Spirit. Give us your provision. Guide us in great stewardship and wisdom. But use us to bring your gospel to this community so all people can understand what we know, that the only hope is in Jesus Christ. 
And that life is good. It's full of joy and peace. Oh, it's not always easy. Uh, but there's a deep, abiding, nurturing understanding of who Jesus is. And that changes everything. And we want the world to know. So we say in faith, use us, use us to see our communities change through hope in Jesus one person at a time. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, North Shore, I love you guys. You're excused. Be blessed. Let's go out and change the world in Jesus' name, okay?